Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, it's good to be back with you again this morning. And uh, I want to pick up where I left off last week. Uh, We were talking two weeks ago. We started a like I said last week, didn't intend it to be a, a little mini-series, but it just worked out that way. We started talking about the value of vision two weeks ago. And uh, talked about the fact that everyone has purpose, everyone need, has purpose in their life. And without vision in a person's life, the Bible says that people cast off restraint. So it's a very dangerous place to be in when you're living life without purpose and pursuing vision in your life. So it's a, va- it's a valid, valuable part of each of us. And so then last week we started talking about the value of the heavenly vision. Let's go to Acts chapter 26. We'll look at this verse. Acts 26. Of course, this is the vision of our church here in Acts 26. We're not going to look at those specific scriptures right now. Uh, We're going to get to that in the coming weeks. But I want to look at uh, Acts 26 verse 19. And uh, let me find my place here. Acts 26, 19. Praise the Lord. The power of scrolling. I've got to get to the right spot. Praise God. Well, we put up on the screen, Acts 26, 19. It says, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And so Paul was talking here. He was addressing King Agrippa, and he was referring back to uh, his encounter with the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus when the, when the Lord had appeared to him and showed him his purpose for his life, what he had called him to do. And he said, I wasn't just, he said, a king group, I wasn't just, uh, I wasn't disobedient to any old vision. He said to the heavenly vision. And so last week we started talking about it's important. Obviously, every person needs to have a vision for their life. But it's not just any old vision, not just any old thing that you decide to do. You've heard it said before. I've heard it said before as well. You know, you can do whatever you choose to do in life. Well, on one sense, you can. You can do whatever you want to do. But how many know as sons and daughters of God, we, we can't just do whatever we want to do? And if you're not aware of that, the Bible says that we've been bought with a price. Our life is not our own. And so as recipients of the grace of God and the sacrifice that Jesus has made, our life has been purchased, bought by the very blood of Jesus. And so we have the, the, the legal right, you could say, we can do whatever we want to do in life. We can have our own vision for life. But really, when it comes down to who we belong to, we don't have the moral right any longer to just do whatever. And so Paul said, I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. And so last week, we're talking about where our vision for our lives personally fits into the heavenly vision, what God has called us to do and what he's doing. And we looked at the verses in Scripture, what is Jesus doing today? Anybody can tell me what that is? Jesus said that I what will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Jesus has a vision. He has a purpose. He has a work that he's doing. And as sons and daughters of God, as children of the king, we're a part of that family. And we're also part of his ministry. The work that he begun, we are carrying it out in the earth. And he's building his church through us. And so the vision for our life has got to be tied into the heavenly vision of what God has for us. And of course, each local body has their own vision that they have. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks. But, but overall, the vision, the plan that God has for the church and for humanity, our vision for our life must fit into what he's called us to do. Every person has got a part to play in that vision. That's good news. You might say, I don't like the sound of that. It's a wonderful thing to have a part. How many know it's good to belong? 
Have you ever been someplace where you didn't feel like you belonged? You didn't feel like you fit in? It, that's not the most comfortable thing, is it? Isn't it good to go somewhere you know you fit, you belong, but not just in, a, in just a social way. You're not just socially fit. You are integral. You are necessary. You are needed. You're vital. I mean, there, there is a, not just a welcoming atmosphere. There is a sense of need and, 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 and value beyond just presence. It's who you are is required, right? And so our, our participation in this vision is vital. We need to catch it. The word vision in the original Hebrew just said just to see. And we need to see this, but it has to be something that's divinely revealed to you. It's something that needs to come from the Lord directly for your life, but you need to see it. We need to see what God wants us to do. He, we need to see our place and to see how we fit together. Amen. And so God desires to do that. And of course, you know, we know that he's not holding anything from us. He's not withholding any part from us. He's wanting to reveal this to you. He's wanting to reveal this to me. He's wanting to speak clearly to all of us. Aren't you glad? And so we looked at several different scriptures and not, not just for review's sake, we're not going to spend a lot of time, but go with me to Ephesians chapter four. This is important because we need to see that this applies to every single person. Every single individual has got a part to play in this. Ephesians chapter four, this is verse seven. It says, but to each one of us, grace was given. Everybody say each one. That means every one of us, every single person, if you're a part of the body of Christ, grace has been given to you. Woo, I don't know about you, but that excites me. Grace, supernatural ability, supernatural favor that's on a divine level has been given to me and has been given to you. Amen. It says, each, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. He gave gifts, he gave endowments to men. Then it goes on to say in the 11th verse, it says, and he himself, speaking about Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And that's where most people stop. That's where most people's uh, uh, relation or thinking about gifts and callings, you could say that's why our vision for the church purposes, that's where most people stop is right there. Pastors, prophets, pastors, you know, prophets. Prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, those different fivefold ministry gifts. And that's where most people stop. But that's not what it said. Remember it said before, to each one. Yes, to the ministry gifts, there, there are the ministry offices, gifts have been given. But, but specifically to each person, things have been given. What is that? That's vision for our life. That's vision. Remember, vision gives direction. Vision gives purpose. Vision sets boundaries. Vision gives parameters. And it, and it also provides something. It provides all of those things and also the equipment you need to do it. That's what he's talking about. So, so these things were given by the church for the, uh, for the work of the ministry. Notice, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Notice, till we all, all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, remember he, he keeps going back to it's a group thing. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a unified 
effort, right? He said, go, uh, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective, uh, effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love, the building up of itself in love. And so we can see here, it's very clear, the Apostle Paul just over and over again, and throughout the epistles he talks about these things, over and over again, the importance of each individual and the gifts that are upon, called upon or placed upon their life, the vision that God has for them, but how it fits into the heavenly vision, how it fits into the plan of God, the overall plan of God, what he has called each of us to do and how we're to function together. Notice every joint knit together, when every part is doing its share, it causes what? Growth. It causes growth of the body. It causes maturity of the body, a development of the body. So if you're missing something, then growth and development is hindered. Wouldn't you agree? If every part causes growth, when every part isn't there, then, then, then growth is, is, is restricted. It's held back. And so it's important for us. You may say, well, Pastor Greg, you know, why do we have to talk about this? You know, it's important because this is tied to who we are. This, these things are tied to why we're here. This is directly tied to our purpose. Uh, the vision God has for us is to produce for the kingdom of God. So it's of the utmost importance that we look into this and that we're open to what the Lord would have to say. It's important. Every person has got a part to play. Every person has got to share, has, has a point and a part to do. And we said this word uh, edifying actually refers to it to in, in the context of architecture, building together as an architecture. And I had the example last week that I, that I brought. I brought in the, uh, the board from our playground that we set up years ago that, thank God, we have gotten rid of a long time ago. And I said that this playground, uh, when we opened it, said two skilled laborers could build this in eight hours, which was a lie. It did not happen. Uh, it was funny. Somebody mentioned to me last week after I brought this out at the end of service, they said, when you had that piece of wood in your hand, I was a little afraid. So I uh, hope no one thinks I'm going to whack him with this because that, that's, that's a bad illustration if you fear for your life when I have a, an illustration. But, you know, we said that this is a piece of wood, but, but how many know that this is not this wood's original state? I don't, I've never seen a farm of these growing. That would be a little odd. Uh, but someone took a piece of wood and they had to mill it. So a designer had to, with engineering plans that were not very clear. Uh, they had to, you know, that, that were missing lots of the details. But how I many know God doesn't miss details? He, none of his details are wrong. But they engineered this and it has uh, grooves cut into it. And it was made for a specific purpose. Now, it can be used in other ways. You can do other things with it. I'd mentioned that I was using it to hold my door open for a while in my office. And uh, someone who watches online and, and was so blessed uh, to uh, send me a doorstop for my office this week. So uh, I, got, I got a text on uh, to Wednesday, I think, hey, did you, have you gotten your Amazon deliveries yet? I said, no, I haven't. I looked outside. They bought me a doorstop. So thank you. Where's the camera at? Back there. Thank you very much for the doorstop. So, so I, was, I had repurposed it. So... Um, to use it for something else, because the, the playground, we don't have it any longer, and, and we didn't need it. It was an extra part. Uh, but it was made for a specific reason. We said last week, you know, it's not okay if this could talk. It, it doesn't make any sense for this board to then tell me to decide, you know what, I know I'm made to be a board. You can't deny what it was made for. When something is made a certain way, that's the way it is. You're, you're not a dog. You're, you're a human being, Right? 
You may try to identify as a cat. You are not a cat, right? I mean, we, we won't get into all of those things, but you are what you are. You, you are how you were made and designed to be. Well, the, the creation can no longer, the thing that was designed can no longer go back and say, you know what, I know you said this, or, or maybe I don't care what you said, or I'm not aware of what I was made for. I'm just choosing to be used for this. When we opened the box of, of, uh, of uh, supplies for the playground, you know, this couldn't just say, you know what, I've decided I'm going to be the slide. I was meant for the roof, a roof shingle, but you know what, slides are more fun. And, and I have to be in the sun all day if I'm a roof tile. You know, I would rather be a slide or maybe a part of the monkey bars because I love animals. And, and no matter what the reason is, this cannot change its purpose. Now, it can try to be a slide, but how many know if this becomes a slide, that's not going to be good because some called splinters, right? And, and nobody wants to deal with that. No, it can't change what it is. It is what it is, and it's not right for this. It doesn't make any sense. We wouldn't let this happen. If it could talk, we would say, are you crazy? I mean, given the whole idea that we're talking to a board, right? But if we could talk to the board and the board could talk to us, we don't believe in that if you're watching online. We don't. Um, But if it could, it would be ridiculous. It wouldn't even be a conversation that we would have. Well, how much more does it also apply when the creator of the universe, now this is someone in a, in a, business somewhere designed this and they went to a machine, a router, and they cut this out. That's, that's pretty amazing. But when you compare their creative ability to the creator of the universe that has specifically designed us and given gifts to men, specific things to individuals, talents, gifts that apply to their purpose, that applied to the vision he has for their life. Can you see how insane that would be for us to say, okay, I hear you, or I don't want to hear you either way, but I choose to do something else. It really doesn't make any sense. And so in in our lives here, it's important that we find out what this is and that we embrace it. You know, when when you look, like I said, many people view the church, and and when they come to church, they view the body of Christ mostly as the ministry gifts. That those are the things that really do all the work. That's where things are done. You know, this week I had gotten an email. Uh, I didn't, sometimes I'm bad about reading emails right away. So if you email me, just know that I can be a few days behind. But I'd gotten an email from Tony Cook on Wednesday, I think, of this week, Tuesday or Wednesday. And he was advertising a book that he recently had, uh, had written. And I, it jogged my memory that I had bought this book. And so when this, uh, I got the email, I, I got the book out yesterday. I didn't, I didn't look at it immediately. So I got it out yesterday and looked at it. This is a book that Tony Cook Remember, who, who remembers Tony Cook? He was with us last year sometime, I think. And so uh, he wrote this book. Anytime Brother Cook writes something, I just buy it and I'll, I'll, I will read it. I don't always read it immediately, but I'll get to it. But the title of this book was The End of Spectator Church. The End of Spectator Church. And so when I saw it came up, when I got the email a while back that he had written it, I immediately ordered it from Amazon and had it delivered. I'd encourage you to get this book on Amazon. And uh, yesterday I, I got this book out and I just read the first chapter of the book and, and just kind of briefly read through the first chapter. Amazing things in it. But let me read the back of this to you. It says, for many Christians, church involves attending on an occasional Sunday service and sitting in the audience, virtually ineffective and having minimal impact. We have embraced a consumer Christianity that creates little but passive believers, yet the church is, not meant, for, yet the church is meant for so much more. Tony Cook challenges this all-too-common scenario with biblical and historical evidence that points 
a radically different picture, paints a radically different picture. With contagious zeal and encouragement, Tony mobilizes the body of Christ to action by reminding each of us that we are to be servants, not spectators, who radiate life to the lost and to to those lost and without hope. The End of Spectator Church launches you from passivity to purpose across the aisle, across town, and across the ocean, as Tony reveals. Your divine purpose is for such a time as this. Hurting people are waiting on the gifts inside of you. The church functions best when every part is in its proper place and what the priestly, the priesthood of all believers looks like today. And it's an amazing book. Just one chapter in, I read, I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. He starts talking about the priesthood. In chapter 1. So I want to look at a couple things this morning. I think this will be a blessing to you. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. And this is a verse that, that we love. If you know your Bible, you love this verse. It's a great verse. 1 Peter chapter 2 in, in uh, verse 10. Verses 10 and 9. It says, but you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to all of us. We'll look at that here in just a minute. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Woo! His own special people. Aren't you glad to know you're his? Say, there's a day coming, you're going to want to hear those words. He belonged to me. They're mine, right? We're his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. An incredible verse. He said, but you are a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own people. I thank God for that. When he said you, who is he talking to? If you go back earlier in in the chapter, 1 Peter, if you go back earlier, he says to the pilgrims. When he addresses the book to the pilgrims, and he lists different areas, and they're the the, the region around modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, and he's talking to the pilgrims. And I love that word pilgrims because he's actually talking about those, not like the pilgrims on Thanksgiving pilgrims, but but pilgrims that, that are in a land that is not their own. They're citizens of another place, but they're living somewhere else right now. So even Peter started this, this out with putting the idea in front of them. Listen, this is not your home. You're here on a temporary basis. So I'm writing to you. And he said to those people, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And so the idea, of course, when he was writing at that time, the idea of the priesthood was something that was very strong and very real to them, something they're very aware of. Now, today we think of priesthood. You, most people think, some people think of pastors. Most people think of a Catholic priest or, or, or a denominational church like that uh, or, or a group. So our, our idea of priesthood isn't as strong as theirs. But when he said priesthood to them, that meant a lot to them. It carried extreme significance. Why? Because the priesthood for so long were the only ones that the Spirit of God dwelled upon. They were the only ones that could do ministry. They were the only ones that could conduct uh, a business in, in the temple. They were the only ones that had any access to do that. And so he said, listen, you are now, all of you, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. What was he saying? The duties that were, that were, that were uh, separate and only for them to do, that they only had access for, is now made available to you. The primary one is that the presence of God could re- reside upon us. In the Old Testament, only the priest had the, had the, was anointed, maybe the king and the prophets. But generally speaking, the, the, the priest was the one that, that had the anointing. In fact, the original plan was never to have a priesthood. You do know that, right? That was never God's plan to have a priesthood. 
When, when God on Mount Sinai, he was talking to Abraham, he asked that Abraham bring the people to the mountain. He could speak to them. And in the thunderings of the mountain and the, and the presence of God was on the mountain, the people became scared. And they said, no, you have God talk to you. And then you tell us what he says, but we don't want to get near him lest we die. And so the Lord had it, God had to accommodate their lack of faith by setting up a, a, a plan B for his interaction with his people. It was never his design to be separate from them. He met with Moses face to face. He wanted to meet with the children of Israel face to face, yet they pushed back. And because of that, the Levitical priesthood was put into place. It didn't exist before that. And it was only in response to the fact that they didn't want to do something. You know, one thing is true. If we don't participate, the plan of God will still get done. He may, he may adjust it, but eventually he's going to get his will finished. I think about the, the children of Israel as they approached the mountain that day, that they had an invitation to meet with the Lord personally. I mean, do you think Moses enjoyed that encounter he had on the mountain? I, I, it changed his life. The children of Israel had the same opportunity to encounter God the same way that Moses did, but they shunned it. And said, no, that's, that's, we can't do that. You talk to him. You talk to Moses and have Moses talk to us. It was never his plan. And so the desire here or, or the, what he was, the point Paul was making, or the writer of Hebrews, Peter, Peter, one of those guys, what Peter was making, what Peter was saying is that, listen, you're now a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. That division has been removed. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, God moved out of the holiest of holies. The presence of God was kept in a very small place. That curtain was, they say, anywhere from five to eight inches thick, maybe a little bigger, but a curtain very large. When Jesus died, when he, he breathed his last, that curtain was ripped open and the presence of God moved out. Have you know in Acts chapter two, the presence of God moved in, right? So what once wasn't available to everybody was restricted, now became available to everyone, Amen. right? And so the presence of God, that connection on one-on-one -on -one with him became available to everybody. And so that's what made them a priest because they had their own connection. Guess what? You have yours as well. The presence of God is available to you. And, 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 and so there's so many different things that a priesthood, the priesthood does. There are things that the priesthood was involved in. He lists several things in his book. He said that the priest function, the, the, the function of a priest uh, is, was something, um, he said this, he said, we function as priests when we offer our lives to God. Go to Romans chapter 12. Look at the, in the first verse. This is such a good scripture. You know this as well. Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Notice he's talking to the brethren, to fellow believers. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your what? Reasonable service. So if we're a part of the body of Christ, if we have accepted this gift of salvation, it's a reasonable service to be involved in, in, in to present our lives to him. The, um, the, uh, another translation says, so brothers and sisters, because of God's mercy, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. And so our lives... Our vision for our lives, what we're called to do is directly tied to service to him. The call on our life, the vision for our life is directly tied to serving for him. So it's a commitment of our lives. He said, secondly, we function as priests when we worship, pray, or praise. That's a part of doing that. The, earth, the, the, the children of Israel didn't have access to God. 
They didn't have the ability to come in and just worship the Lord. That was something that was reserved for a select few. That's why when we have times of worship like this morning, let's take advantage of it. Let's not let somebody else do our worshiping for us. We have access to the Father ourselves. And he gave us access because he wants to hear it from us. He wants to hear how we feel about it. He wants to hear from our hearts. And so as priests, we have the ability to truly worship Praise him. We have the opportunity to do that. What a blessing that is. He talked about several other things, and, and, and we won't go into all of them. He said that we, have the, we function as priests when we give. We function as priests when we evangelize. But he said we function as priests when we serve. Because priests were responsible for the daily uh, maintenance and the daily affairs of the temple. They took care of the house of the Lord and what went on. And so as priest in this era, era, you and I have the responsibility and the right to serve. What is that? To use the things that God has given to submit our plan, how we see our life going, submit our lives to what God has for us. Every person, every person has a part to play in this. He, he had a couple quotes here. He put this on, on in the email. This is from A.W. Tozer. He said, Paul clearly teaches that each Christian believer ought to demonstrate a proper gift or gifts bestowed by God, the Holy Spirit, and that together the believers should accomplish the work of God as a team. Paul clearly teaches, and of course we know that was by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul clearly teaches that each Christian believer ought to demonstrate a proper gift or gifts bestowed by God, the Holy Spirit, and that together the believers should accomplish the work of God as a team. So there is, there is this unity, this fellowship of labor, that, this combined purpose that we are all called to be a part of. This is a part of the heavenly vision for our life. I said, this is a part of the heavenly vision for our life. And as a side note, you know, several years ago, I taught a series on reward, rewards that are awaiting us, rewards in heaven. They're tied to what we do here, our service, the using of our gifts, how we function in that heavenly vision. What's waiting for us is directly tied to what we do here. Say, so, well, I don't believe that. Read the Bible. It's all in there. I mean, it's very clear. We'll be rewarded. We don't make it to heaven because of our works. We are rewarded because of our works. Salvation is not by works. It's by, it's by grace. But there are works of salvation that we do because we've been born again. What is that? That's our putting our lives in line with the heavenly vision that he has for us. And it's so important that we, that we, we jump into these things. People say, well, you know, there's just nothing for me to do. There's no place for the heavenly vision in my life. Well, you know, that just can't be true. There's just nothing for me to do. I hear you saying that, but I don't see a heavenly vision. I don't see that God has anything specific for me to do. That cannot be true. We read this scripture. We'll put it up again. Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. It says, we all, all of us, for we all, or we are, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice we, that's all of us. We, all of us. A lot of, you know, that is a lie from the enemy that you have nothing to give. That is a lie from the devil. You have nothing to give. It goes back to the example. If this or any other part of that, that slide, that playground wasn't deemed necessary and wasn't, have you ever put something together? 
Come on, you guys, I know you know what I'm talking about. Us guys, you have instructions. Who likes to read the instructions? Anybody in the room that when you get something, you just open it and you just start working on it? Steve Green says, oh, no, never. I've seen you do it, putting that that deer stand together. You, yes, I saw you do it. He said, I put a bunch of those together. All right, well, let's all pray for Brother Steve. But I've been guilty before, open something up. I remember when our kids were little, Christmas, Oh, yeah, the most wonderful time of year. Yeah, to stay up all night and put stuff together for hours, you know. I mean, we'd, we'd open stuff up when you've got 20 things to assemble. I mean, you know, thank God for the instructions, but I can figure this out. And, and you know what? I don't need that part. Right? I mean, like, I can do it without the part. I know it says it needs eight screws. I think three is fine. You know, I, 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 what, what, happens? What, what happens is that thing falls apart. So if the enemy can convince people what they have is it's either they don't have anything or it's not important, yeah. Yeah. then what's happened is causes weakness. That's why when every part does its share, it causes strength. It's, it's not like it's this magical thing that our part alone has a special thing of, of power involved. It, it does have power. It's the grace of God is there, but it's a part of it working together. It all functions. I can't tell you how many times we've had different things that we've had to assemble and I've taken a shortcut and it looked good for a while, but when you put some weight on it, suddenly it didn't function right anymore. Well, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to convince people that they don't have a part to play. There's, there's nothing for them to do. There's no place for them to do. There, there's no opportunity. There are always opportunities and it's so necessary you know, I was thinking, uh, as you know, I've broken a few bones in the last few years, skateboarding and doing bikes and different things. And uh, I've gone my whole life, all these years, never broke anything until the last few years. And uh, anyway, I broke my thumb. I think that was last year. I broke, broke the end of my thumb off. Was that? I literally broke it off. If you didn't know, I actually was completely separated from the rest of my finger. And, uh, you know, I had to put it in a brace. I had to immobilize it. Now, it's my right hand. It's my dominant hand. It's what I use all the time. When it became immobilized and I couldn't use it, every single detail became extremely difficult. Anybody that had your right hand or your dominant hand get something happened to it? Everything became difficult. I mean, you know, putting on clothes. I remember on Sunday mornings fighting to get my buttons buttoned. And just, you know, you think, a button I can do it with my left hand. I'm it's my right hand is my dominant hand and it's just so good at it. My left can fill in, but it's not especially graced to do what my right hand can do. Right. Cause this has got a, it's made for this. I'm dominant on the, on this. Now, thank God I, you who are like ambidextrous and perfect, both, uh, whatever you're, uh, nobody likes you. But anyway, us normal people, we are, we are dominant on one way or the other. Well, when you lose that, I remember telling Amy, this is so frustrating. Like, it's like, I can't function, period. I, in the mornings, like, hey, can you button my shirt? Hey, can you button my pants? Hey, can you help me put my jacket on? Hey, can you, can you, and then you start taking advantage of it. Hey, can you feed me? No, no, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't do that. But I mean, you know, maybe a little bit here and there. But no, you, you realize that you, it's, it's so important that you have it. Well, in a church, in a body, when each part has a specific function, part of the vision God has for their life, if they're not in that place, then you can see things take longer than they should. Needs that could be being met aren't being met. Things that oftentimes people, they're designed for this. They're filling in over here. You know, and there's a grace to do that as well. 
You know, one of the things about vision for us, it's progressive. I said last week that I started playing drums as a fifth, in the fifth grade. We needed a drummer. We needed to, 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 to round out our musical uh, percussion and music we had at the church. And so I just learned to play drums. It was a need that was there. I didn't, I didn't know how to do that. I wasn't qualified for it, but I saw a need and I just filled the need. And so I did that. And that's a part of finding your place. You say, well, I have this on my heart to do. Sometimes you have to move and grow into those things. And so I found what needed to be done. I just started doing it. Well, how many know I'm not there anymore? But because purpose and vision is progressive. As you're faithful to do what he's asking you to do, finding somewhere, something to do, God will move you into other things and start fine-tuning what he's called you to do. That vision, that heavenly vision for your life will get more fine-tuned. But you have to find that. I said, you have to find that. I don't want anybody to feel like we're just kind of beating them up over this because that's not our heart at all. But it's so important for the church. It's so important for your own life to get a hold of the vision God has for you. What he has called you to do, it's such a vital thing. Everybody can do something. They say, well, you know, uh, this situation, that situation, there are seasons of life that we go through where there are, there are complications. I get that. When our kids were young, there were just complications. Right? We had, it was just a season. We had two kids, another one showed up, like our whole life got difficult, you know, and that wasn't her fault, just, it's just, just life got tough. And so we're trying to do this and do that and, and all of these things. Well, thank God they grew up, right? But then other, you go through different stages and different times. You have to, you have to accept. You have to realize there's something for you to do and all of, ask the Lord, what does he see for you? What does he see? For you? And you say, well, I don't know what that is. Come talk to us. We can help you. That's a part of our job. We can help you say, hey, we have a need over here. You might say, well, that's not what, I, that's not what my heart's involved, what, what just stirs my heart, but it's a need. Start getting involved in something. Start doing something, yielding yourself to that vision God has for you. He will move you into those things that are in your heart to do. I guarantee you. So, you know, in all of this, you know, we're wanting you just to realize, listen, God has something for each of us. God has something for each of us, and it's more than just attendance. It's more than, and we thank God for that. There are times to come and just attend. There's, there's parts of that. But there's a vital part that you have to play. There's a vital part that each person has in the functioning of this local body. He's building strong local churches. That's what Jesus is doing, and every person has a part to play in what's happening, even here. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Praise God. You know, there's no greater honor than to be used by him. Amen. No greater honor than to be used by God, to be in service of the king. Amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Let's just lift our hands. Father, we thank you. We glorify you. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for the gifts, the talents, the callings, the things on the lives of the people in this room. Father, we are a well-equipped and well-supplied people. This church is well-supplied for what you've called us to do. Hallelujah. And Lord, we make the decision today to find our place, to see our place, to accept what you have called us to do. Father, we make that decision this morning. Speak to us, guide us. Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for your help. We thank you for your assistance. We thank you for the things that you have for us. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, 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 Lord. Just begin to thank God for his vision for your life. Hallelujah, Father, thank you for your plan. Thank you for your vision that you have for each of us. Father, we thank you. 
We honor you. We glorify you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for unveiling it. Thank you for revealing it to us. Hallelujah. And thank you for the grace to walk it out. Hallelujah. Father, we honor you. We bless you. We thank you for it. In the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.